This is episode 8 with Erica Jagger. Welcome to Faces of Silver. I am Ben Winkler, photographer, connoisseur of life and lifelong curious being, I would say. Each week we bring you uh, inspiring messages, uh, interesting content and a person you really would like to listen to. So let's get started. Quote of the day, William Shakespeare said, to thine self be true. Isn't that true? If we would only live by that, life would be so much easier. People would treat us the way we want to be treated and we would get along so much easier in flow and having set healthy boundaries. I'm always talking about boundaries. Enforce them, or first of all, define them, enforce them and live by them. You'll be so much the happier. So today's guest is Erica Jagger. She is uh, the creator of a blog called A Sexy Woman of a Certain Age. Um, I shall put up a link afterwards active so you can uh, uh, post it below so you can go directly to her page and uh, check it out. So I've been following our guest for this week for a couple of years now. And uh, she wrote a piece that went viral on Huffington Post of all places. Uh, so a few years ago that was titled 11 things that instantly make a woman hot. Sorry, 11 things that instantly make a man hot. So it was translated into several languages and I'm going to put that link below also. So today we'll be talking about her list, about menopause, about the effect on sexuality and sensuality, uh, the current dating landscape and so much more. Also, I wanted to thank uh, one of my dear clients for uh, an amazing testimonial. Caroline says, Ben is truly a visual storyteller. He's an outstanding photographer with an almost mystical ability to capture the true nature of someone. He's able to tease forth the feminine allure of a woman and I would recommend him to any woman who would love to see glorious images of herself. Ben is both a professional photographer and a gentleman with great sense of playfulness and the gift of making his subject feel at ease. So thank you very much, Caroline, for being the cheerleader of the, of the week. And uh, now let's dive in. Hi. There you are, Erica. Yes. Finally, I have you on. I've been so looking forward to this call today. Me too. Thank you, thank you for being on. I, okay, I'm gonna, I, I just uh, told people uh, about who you are, about you. And uh, now I get to, I get the pleasure to interview about it and all these questions that I had. Uh, first of all, so the the blog is called a sexy woman of a certain age. Yes. Why did you Why did you stop writing your blog? Is Is there any story behind it? How um, did that come up? 
Well, I guess actually, uh, maybe I should start with why I started writing it. And I started writing it because I was, uh, recently out of a long marriage and I was dating I had just turned 50 and I think I didn't know you know I'd heard all this stuff about how hard it is for women to date at a certain age and you're sort of off everybody's radar once you're 45 or older so I really didn't know how it would be when I started dating and I found it to be quite the opposite of what I'd heard I uh, found that you know, men of all ages were interested in me. And I think in part because I wasn't going to hit them up for a house and a baby, you know, I was too old for that. Um, But I, I actually found it was a really, I was having a great time dating and I was feeling very vibrant um, and much more, I think, because I was just more comfortable in my own skin. I felt like sexier and just more powerful. And so I just, everything that I'd heard about how women are supposed to feel or act at a certain age was just not how I felt. And so I started this blog because I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to challenge the conventional wisdom that women of a certain age are, are done sexually and, and sort of in any kind of vibrant way. So that's why I started it. Um, and it developed quite a following. I had, um, men and women follow the blog and I think it meant a lot to women of my age because um, they were seeing themselves reflected in a positive way um, you know as opposed to how the media views women of a certain age in general um, right. since I started the blog a few years ago I think the media sort of caught up to a certain extent but when I started it there weren't a lot of people writing in a positive way about women of my age so um, so anyway I stopped writing it I did something in hindsight that I I don't regret a lot of things but I regret this and I, I'm sort of embarrassed that I did it but I started dating somebody um, after I'd been writing the blog for maybe a year and he had a really hard time with it. He, he just didn't like it at all. And, um, it became a huge issue. Um, and I felt like because this was now a serious relationship and I wasn't actually dating, I was just dating him that maybe it was time to shut it down, but I did it largely because it became such an issue. Um, and that relationship is now over. Um, and I think, um, I, I think, you know, the, the problem was, is that I sort of gave away my power, not just sexual power, just my power as a woman, as a person by sort of diminishing something that I loved or getting rid of something that I loved to make someone else happy. And it didn't make him happy anyway. Um, so that's, that's why I stopped writing it. Um, uh, and I learned a lot from that decision. I will never again. Yeah. What, what, what would you say? What would you advise a woman who is, let's call it settling or, mm-hmm. or trade off? What would you advise her at, at this point? What are your learnings from that? Well, you know, it, do you, I'm, I mean, do you really want to be with somebody where you can't be completely who you are? And if that's what it takes to be with that person, 
is it worth it? I mean, it was such a, um, I mean, psychologically and spiritually for me, it was, it was, it just had a really bad impact. So um, I think a lot of women think they have to do these things for the sake of a relationship. That's sort of how women are raised. Women are raised to be sort of codependent. And I, I was stunned that at my age, 52 or whatever, I'm 55 now, that I, that I still felt like that's what I needed to do. So, you know, everybody's got to live their own life. But I just, for me, I just could not be happy being less of a person uh, for a man. Very good. So don't, basically in a nutshell is don't trade off and, and what would you do if you would be by yourself and with with certain moderations, but but overall, all right. Yeah. So uh, I remember you used to uh, you used to write for the Huffington Post, and there was this one piece that that went viral a few years ago that was called "The Eleven Things That Instantly Make a Man Hot." Yeah, I don't and think that was my title. Got, that was their title. Now, but... <laughs> now you've got my my entire attention, and I'm, I'm sure all the listeners too. So what uh, what are some of those those eleven things, and and are they still on your list? Have you added new ones? Uh, is there anything that specifically resonated? Yeah, let's see. Um, I'm actually I'm actually looking at that blog post right now because I haven't I haven't read it in a while. But um, okay, so yeah, because because we can't I can't show it yeah, in the audio, cause... but I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link uh, afterwards so people can visit it. Yeah, is so... it still live? It's still active. It is still in Huffington Post, yeah. Um, And it's funny, I I wrote this piece and it was, it was translated into a bunch of languages. It, 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 like, um, I kept, I kept finding myself, people would include it in their dating profile. They would say, I want a guy that's like this. And they would link to the article. (laughs) It was, it was bizarre because I just wrote it like, uh, you know, these were the just qualities that I was looking for. And it was interesting. And people wrote me, women wrote me saying, I, I want a guy like that. And so I don't think, I think it's pretty universal. You know, I don't think I was coming up with anything really that remarkable, but I think I just compiled a list of things that most women want. And one of them was strength uh, and vulnerability. Um, I think vulnerability is really um, the ability to be transparent um, and not pretend to be strong when you're not. Um, integrity is huge, you know, d- do what you say you're going to do. Um, right. Intellect, I think, and maybe maybe this is different for other people, but I don't, you know, if it's just a beautiful face, sexy doesn't last very long. Somebody has to have a beautiful mind as well. Um uh, warmth, generosity is, is a big one for me. I find stingy people to be kind of a turnoff. Um, and I once heard that people who are stingy with money are also stingy in bed. And I don't know, I have to really think that through, but it's sort of an interesting correlation. Um, affectionate, mindfulness to me is a very sexy quality the ability to really be in the moment and pay attention pay attention to you know how uh, for a man to pay attention to how he feels and also you know how you feel um is very sexy and partnership i think um 
you know, it, one thing about the relationship that I left was that I felt that like we weren't equal partners. Like he really wanted to call the shots and I ultimately was not happy with that. So, um, so was that the shots in life? Was that the shots in the, well, the shots in the relate? I think life career. and the relationships he, he in the relationship, he just turned out to be a more dominant person than how he presented in the beginning. But I didn't feel that we were true partners. And at this age, I want an equal partner. I don't want somebody who's going to tell me what to do. Um, and then the last one was sexual confidence. And that, um, like, well, what does that mean, sexual confidence? And I, I think, you know, earlier on in my life, I thought it meant, you know, like stamina or just being kind of, I hate this play on words, but cocky or, you know, it was, um, but, but now it's just, it's much more the ability like to be vulnerable. Like if things aren't, uh, you know, if there's awkwardness or whatever to just sort of be okay with it, um, and to be okay with whatever is, um, and not try to feel like you have to be the way you were when you were 25. I mean, I think it goes, you know, for both, for both genders. Um, so those were the things on the checklist. Um, and yes, they are all still on my list. I can't think of any ones, any new ones. Um, yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned vulnerability. That was the first one that, that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability for a man. Now, as guys, we think we need to be maybe not macho, but we need to uh, we need to stand up and we need to be tough. Yeah, the, outside, the inside we are not showing the inside. Well, whereas we are trying to with uh, an intimate partner, but then we don't gonna wanna wanna come across as soft. So, how what do you think vulnerability? When you say you seek that in a man, what what? What would that quality look like in, in practice? Like, yeah, well, I don't mean like I don't have an agenda to get a man to cry or anything like that. But okay. I think it, for me, vulnerability is just is being transparent. So that if you're not feeling, you know, particularly strong or sure in a certain moment, to kind of like say, sort of be open about that. Um, yeah, just and that's what a partnership is. Yeah, you know? like really show what is going on and share it, and exactly learn from it and develop both together. Exactly, and I think maybe younger women. Well, certainly, I don't know about the millennials. That's enough, but certainly women in my era. I think maybe when we were younger, we wanted a man to be this like tough guy, and I think as we age, we don't want it as much because we've become more empowered, and so I think. I think sometimes men, you know, they really do think that a woman wants them to be like all, you know, tough and have all the answers and whatever, but it's really not, it is not that appealing. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, I remember you wrote a series of, of articles on, uh, on menopause and how, how it really affects women's sexuality what what are your learnings from that and and from have you interviewed people on that or yeah i um had well i had this idea and maybe i'll do it at some point i wanted i really wanted to do a book on midlife women's sexuality because i find the topic so interesting you know because i thought i i always thought sort of growing up like well you, you're just sort of done with it and menopause you're sort of done with sex and 
Um, what, what a shame. I keep hearing this again and again. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that, like, that was my impression uh, from my mother, although we never really talked about it, but that, that was my impression. And, um, you know, and I've heard different like female relatives say at a certain point, like, I'm like, I just don't care if I ever have sex again. And ouch. yeah. So, but as I said, you know, and I'm, and I'm now through menopause and I, you know, my libido hasn't stopped at all. Um, I think in some ways it's, might even be stronger. And so I, so I set out, I, I said in my blog, I invited people to, to write me and tell me the story of midlife and sex. And I had men write me and, and tell me about how their sex life changed with their partners. And I had women write me and it was fascinating. I'd say it was just about 50, 50 where Either for women, it was like the start of a whole sexual renaissance um, and this yeah. amazing second chapter. Not that they were, obviously, they weren't the same. You know, there were certain like adjustments and changes that needed to be made, but they found that uh, sex were kind of textured and, um, I don't know, vibrant than it was earlier on. Or... It was, there were challenges a lot of women had um, physically. And I have to say, I was not one of those women. I was really pretty lucky. And so for the women who've like, you know, had, you know, vaginal atrophy or dryness, or they've had hysterectomies where sex became really painful, um, that was really, really difficult. And um, sometimes they were able to find different medications or treatments that helped them. And sometimes they, they weren't. And, um, it was quite sad. I had a number of women and men say that the, their sex life had just, it was like dead, it was gone. And so, and they were like, sort of just cuddle cuddlers. <laughs> That's what remained of their yeah. sex life. And, um, you know, I, I, I have different theories about why that is. I don't think it's always just a physical thing, but, um, but uh, I, I found that people's experience was very varied. It was complex and it was, it was different. And um, I just really wanted to encourage women not to, not to give up. Um, if they find their libido is dipping at a, at, you know, at menopause. Um, I'm, I'm curious at this point when you say, or, or a question that comes up is, have you ever spoken to anybody or heard stories where people say they changed partners or they started with a new partner that those physical symptoms changed? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I you know, get, like the, the, yeah. yeah, no, I had women tell me that, that they felt like just dead in a marriage and, and uh, literally they felt sort of dried up and then they were with a new partner and it was, you know, it was like they had a whole, a whole new body. And, you know, some of that I think is like just sort of the newness factor. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, so it's not a physiological thing, obviously. Yeah. Not, not so much. Yeah. And, but I think sometimes, you know, you're in a marriage where you feel the partnership has atrophied. Um, or you just feel like uh, I had one gynecologist write me and say from her experience being a doctor to women that a lot of them felt like they 
had just been sort of receptacles for men's sexuality or sex drive, that they had not been with partners who really saw them as women uh, who, with intrinsic sexuality. And, um, and she felt like that was sort of the psychological piece played into the, the, the sort of the physical presentation of um, kind of vaginal atrophy or, or pain or just not wanting to have sex anymore. How sad is that? Yes, yes. Um, from from your readers, what what did you learn from your readers in the blog? What did you learn from the male ones? What did you learn from the female ones? What are the top things that 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 were established? Um, I found that there were a lot of men staying in relationships. Like, um, what's the word? Like, uh, I can't think of the. A living a life of quiet desperation that they were with a partner that they loved they had once had you know a really rich sex life and it was just basically dust and okay. gone right. and they didn't want to leave their partner uh, you know some were contemplating affairs some didn't want to have affairs some but it was you know they were really really devastated um some some chose to leave the relationship. I found men who were so um, interested in a woman's body and how to, you know, please their partner. Um, I think maybe, maybe some of these men being older, they were less focused on themselves and more focused on, you know, pleasing a partner. But, um, yeah. you know, again, it was like, a, it was like a range of experiences. Um uh, and then the, the women readers, you know, it's funny. I had, I had a couple women very young, like in their twenties who wrote me, and this wasn't just about, you know, the menopause pieces, but just sort of the blog in general who wrote me and, and said that I inspired them because their female relatives who were, you know, my age were like, uh, cynical about men or just like sort of you know lamenting that they didn't look the same way and so these women would I think were encouraged reading my blog that oh no it doesn't have to be that way um and then you know women my age who were writing me because they had um I think there's still a lot of sexual shame that women feel that a lot of these women felt still repressed they wanted permission to feel sexual um and a lot, a lot of them were having similar experiences. They just left a marriage. They were feeling like amazing and having these wonderful experiences, but didn't feel like they could tell their female friends because they would be judged. Um, I was yeah. surprised that a lot of that was going on. So I guess to answer the question, what did I learn is that sex is complex and, um, most people are very interested in it. <laughs> okay, which which brings me back to the topic. I was just thinking, uh, those listeners who've never visited your blog or have never haven't heard about the blog, we didn't really lead in what the blog is about. So we were talking about a lot, a lot about menopause, but the yeah. blog is not about menopause. What is your blog about? Yeah. So the blog is it, it well. It started as a very personal blog about. My, I wanted to start a conversation about midlife women's sexuality that it was this vibrant thing. It was not the conventional wisdom, which is like women are, are toast at 45, like no one looks at women. So it was, I really wanted to challenge that note, that notion. 
So yeah. I told some of the some of the blogs were um, my sort of memoirs of different sort of dating experiences I had in my fifties. Some were more commentary on, um, you know, kind of sexual I- issues in the culture, like you know, like why don't we see more middle-aged women in erotica? Why is you know? why is it always the 20 year old virgin who's suddenly having multiple orgasms, you know, like, you know, um, so it, I think it became a combination of my personal experiences, but what was going on with the culture at large. And it wasn't just sex. It was, you know, kind of feeling vibrant, feeling empowered, feeling like you have something to offer, um, that kind of thing. Excellent. So now we, <laughs> we, we, we we bring this in in the middle. Yeah. Okay, now we know what we are talking about overall. Yeah. So at this point, I, I believe you're 55 now? Yes. You are single, I take it, and you have two children, right? Yes, I do. So with, is the young, are they still living with you? or the, are they living the No, house or? one is out of the house. He's on his own. And the other one is 16. So she'll be out uh, in two years. And I so will how officially you, have an empty nest. How do you see this uh, this stage in life, this transition before you become an empty nester? Like how how would that how would you say that impacted your your relationship, your the, the way you want a, a relationship? Uh, how does it impact you sexually? How does it date, in, impact your dating life? I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are at a, at a similar stage. Yeah, I'm well, I'm trying to figure that out. I don't think I totally haven't figured it out. But when so when I was in my last relationship, it was sort of a very traditional relationship. And I think I was still looking for kind of a family structure because my daughter at the time was, I think, 13. And um, and I I now no longer want that. I mean, she's going to be six. She's 16 at the end of the month. She's got sort of she's very mature you know she's just she doesn't need another stepfather figure so i i don't i don't want that and i feel that um uh i i yeah i don't i don't know what i'm looking for i feel i feel that a lot of the men my age seem older than i am Um, And then I go out with younger men, like in their 30s, or even like some men in their early 40s seem really young to me. And they're attractive, but we, like, I just don't have that much to say. We have such different um, perspectives and different different perspectives. uh, Yeah, Yeah, we don't, we just don't share a lot of the same experiences. So it's fun. But I don't, after a couple of dates, I don't necessarily want to keep seeing them. Um, well, and hence we call it, hence why we call it dating and not, yeah, really, right. you know, it's, it's like a, right. I don't want to call it a job interview, but it's basically feeling it out is. what the situation is, what you both are about, who is who yeah. the person really is. But I also so, think maybe because I've only been re-singled for a few months. So at this point, I don't know. I just kind of like you know, dinners and finding somebody that I'm attracted to. I don't know that I really am ready for, you know, dealing with all of someone's issues. But um, 
but I don't. But I don't know. It's it's an odyssey right now. I haven't really. Yeah, figured but I it guess out. you you know what you at this stage with with uh, all that you've been going through. You you know what you want. You know what you're yes. looking for. And if it's not there, then it's just it's it's basically a numbers game. That's what it comes down to. Yes, and there's a wonderful. I think it was. Um, I want to say Maya Angelou who said something like, "When people tell you who they are, listen to them the first time," oh, and. Yes. That's something that I do now. If I'm out on a date and a man says something that like sort of tweaks me, I really pay attention to it instead of thinking, oh, well, I could change that or never, ever, you know, <laughs> you or they're really hot. Them. So yeah. I'm going to pretend they didn't say that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really yeah, listen you just scoot to over because everything yeah. else sounded so good. He was yeah. so perfect. Like, no, I don't think that's not going to work. Nope. Sorry. Perfect. So with uh, with all this rise of uh, of dating apps and and the, all this online this online interaction, uh, how do you see or what are, what are your experiences? What do you think on how all this technology and and that new way of interacting impacts our our ability to connect with other people? I'm concerned about it. Honestly, it's it's funny. I. When I, before my last relationship, I think I was on Match and OkCupid. And um, I met a lot of nice people. I went out a lot. And most of the time, if somebody contacted you, they contacted you because they wanted to meet you. Um, So this time around, I've been on OkCupid and Tinder. And the whole Tinder thing is just bizarre to me. I've realized that most of the people who contact you, they just really want a hit of attention. They don't, I don't know that they either, like if you're available right then, and I think it's usually for sex, that's great. If you're not available, they're onto somebody else. But sometimes I think they just want to know that somebody's there. And I find it just weird. I, I find it very utilitarian. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, if your perspective is, well, I have this sex ATM in front of me and I can just go get a withdrawal, you know, if I keep going to enough ATMs, there'll be someone there. I mean, why, why try? Like why, why put forth an effort with anyone in a, in a, you know, committed relationship? And And so I'm, I'm, I'm. I've never been on uh, on any of those apps. I hear mm-hmm. about them. I hear all the different terms and everything. Is there any? So I haven't got a clue. But now speaking about it, is there a way of filtering out, or or do you get a sense of who is who when you when you first start talking to, uh, con- connecting with them? Like as you said, like one has the ATM syndrome and the other one really is looking for a relationship. Can you differentiate the two? Well, the people who start out, um, like like really pushing either they they start out like immediately with sex talk or they just they push like they want to date but they want it really fast and if you're not available then they just disappear so that to me is obvious but it's a a natural way of weeding themselves out maybe yeah but then the people who say like right up off the bat like i don't i'm not really a fan of, of you know chatting online i'd like to meet then obviously you know that they they actually are interested in you know having having some semblance of a relationship um but i do i just i i worry and i also worry about like my kids generation 
you know, what that does to your ability to really attach to people and understand that relationships are precious, you know, I mean, if everybody's interchangeable, um, and there's just this plethora of choices, I don't know that it's a good thing. Absolutely. I totally agree. So with, uh, you said that you stopped the blog. Are there, what are your plans now? Are you thinking of re reviving the blog is, is what, what's going on there now in, in, in your mind? What's where, where do you want to go with this? I don't know. You know, it's, it's funny. because I, like I said, I was so sorry that I shut it down. I miss doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I do you still, still am... get any? Do you still get uh, uh, any responses or people yeah. asking you to carry on? Or... I I do. I get people asking me to start it up or to write a to write to write a book. You know, to yeah. do a book on midlife women's sexuality. Um, I think you know part of the answer to that question is the platform of blogging. I think is really changing. I think it's going a little bit the way of the dinosaur, and there's other ways. Uh, there's other platforms. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know that I would go back and do the same platform. I might find some other way to, to some other way to do it. But um, I, I just I do find the topic of uh, women at midlife and not just sexuality. It's just yes. it's it's fast. I mean, women my age, we have so much to offer. Um, so many experiences. and yes. So much wisdom that we that is yes. untapped. Yeah, so so I want to try to do something with that. I just don't know in what form. I recall, I think I recall that correctly, that there, there was a lot of black and white photography on, on your blog. Yes, yes. How did, how did that come about? Was, was that an experience? Is this something you collected somewhere? Or what's the story behind that? Yeah, well, actually, I think that... Um, I, I think I started with boudoir shoots even really before I started the blog. I had this idea when I turned 50 that I was going to do a boudoir shoot. And it was really this sort of like subversive idea, like a oh, woman my age shouldn't be doing it. Aha, I'm going to do it. Okay, and so then... let, me, let me interject here. So <laughs> why? What was the main motivation out of that? You came out of a relationship. You were single at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what was the motivating factor there? Well, it's funny. I, well, it's an, so I moved, I moved to a new place and I was unpacking my pictures and I had had, I had had in my old house, I'd had three framed photos, like a triptych of somebody had taken photos of me when I was like 19 and they were, they were very artistic. They were just parts of my body. Sometimes it didn't, you didn't automatically know it was my body. It was just sort of the colors and the shading and they were beautiful. And I remember, yeah, my partner at the time saying, I can't believe you have that on the wall. I think that's really, you know, you have children, like you shouldn't have those on the wall. And I just, and it should just just be the, um, okay, within limits, but it should just be the, the opposite. It should be a celebration. Yes. It should be. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I was single. I didn't have anybody telling me what I shouldn't do. And I thought, um, yeah. I'm going to do a boudoir shoot. I mean, I, I think at first I started mourning the fact, oh, I don't have those pictures of my 19 year old body. And then wait, I thought, wait, 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 what happened to the pictures? I lost them. I'm sorry. I didn't make that clear. Be- so because, I'm of, because of him, because no, of his comments well, or I, who, no, but they just disappeared. It was, it was odd. They didn't, they didn't come with me in the move, but maybe the whole reason for them to disappear was so I would start or a something blog. new to get I don't birth. Know. Okay. 
But so anyway, so I started a boudoir shoot just really for me. And I found it to be a very powerful experience. And then when I started the blog, um, I realized very quickly that blogs are heavily image dependent. So I would need to keep doing shoots. Um, And I just, I found, um, and I like black and white imagery. I, I find it more, I think more artistic or just for me, it's my, my preference. Um, but right. I, I found it sort of fit the tone of my blog, which was kind of elegant and, and evocative and sort of fantasy like. Um, so that, that's, that's how those, that's how that started the whole the black and white. So imagery. if, if, if uh, some of our readers here, uh, which are mainly female, if they have, ever been considering doing a, a boudoir shoot or a fine art nude shoot for for just for them for them well i always say it has to be for the right reasons for themselves yeah. or something what uh, what would you advise them what if they are standing like on the fence line and they don't know and they think it's wrong or whatever what is there any liberation you gained out of it or or what what is your experience coming out on the other side having done I, it? yeah it, do, I you, do think... you do this once or do you do it again what you... what yeah, I mean, I think every every woman should do it um, for the right reasons. For the right and for you, and not like it shouldn't be like, oh, I have to look perfect before I do it. It's what you yeah. know. No, you should do it because this is who you are at fifty, yep. sixty, seventy, whatever. Totally. And um, it, I, I can't and unless you've really gone through it. I can't really even explain how empowering. It is. And to have and also to have a photographer who really sees your sensuality. See- you were saying how empowering it is. Yes. Um, and I think that there's I I don't really know how to explain what happens, but it, there's there's just sort of um, a synergy or a chemistry if you're with a photographer that you have chemistry with who sort of sees what's special about you um, and is able to kind of bring it out, your sort of intrinsic sensuality, sexuality, personality. Um, and to, to, it's empowering to be witnessed like that um and i think just to challenge your own i I don't know sense of you to push yourself out of your comfort zone you know to be like i'm i'm gonna be photographed nude nude at an age where i never thought i i would i would do it um and i'm going to feel um I'm going, I'm going to embrace the way I look now. And, um, I I think, you know, I, I, when I was doing the blog, I would have women write me and say, Oh, I'm too, I can't do it now. I want to do it, but I can't, I need to lose weight first. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not, don't wait until you think you look perfect to get your photos done. Get, they should, they should be who you are, you know, how you are now. Um, and, uh, and, and I also know women who do them repeatedly, you know, as they age. And I think it's another really great way to chronicle how you, your body and your sensuality changes yeah, over each, the years. And each shoot is different. I mean, I, yes. I, I always say well, what I really enjoy with these types of shoots 
a it's it's my first question is always why do you do it you know don't do it for the wrong reasons don't do it for a husband because you think you can keep him or you can right they first first of all it has to be for yourself and as you said don't wait for the perfect moment there is no such thing and you will never be more comfortable or more that is really up to to the photographer if you as you said have that chemistry with him and you trust him um you know then then you create you create beautiful work if he's able to bring that out of you and and to get you to a comfort level where where you step over that line that has inhibited you so far with with all that society puts upon us yes and then it really reflects reflects who you are and they you know like 99 point whatever percent of of the ones i shoot they remain private and and they remain super private oftentimes they lead to the point where the where if they are at the break of a at the brink of a breakup where this is just that pushing point and they find that liberating that liberating mm-hmm. point again where they appreciate themselves if nobody else yes. appreciates them it's, yes. it's really for the, for the right reasons find the right person that you resonate with that you trust and then you you create something that you didn't even know you had in you yes yeah. exactly so you said some people do it even multiple times. Have you done one or have you had a second experience? Or I think I did five of them, but I, you know, again, I did them because I, I had a blog. For work, do, yeah. You know. Okay. Um, but I actually have been thinking I might do it again. Um, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, each each experience, well, even each shoot is different. Even right. if you would shoot with the same photographer multiple times, each one is different. Yes. It's, you know, we're in different state of minds. We're in, you know, there's, there's so much going on. And, and you can change it up with, with a different photographer. I mean, there's yes. so many things that to change each and every single time. Yes. Um, so for people who want, who would love to connect with you regarding the blog or want, want to get you to revive it or, or input on the book or have material for you for something, how can they find you? Where can they contact you? Um, they, well, the blog is still up www.asexywomanofacertainage.com. Did you say a sexy woman? A sexy woman of a certain age.com. Um, I have to say the, the word press platform has changed and I haven't updated it. So it's, it, you can still get on the blog, but if you look at it on mobile, it doesn't look as great. Um, but the best way, but you can so go on the blog and you can contact me that way, or you can leave a comment, okay. but okay. the best way to reach me, like if, uh, is email and my email is Oh God, Erica, that's O H G O D E R I C A. Oh God, Erica at AOL.com. I shall change my email. <laughs> How did you come with? Oh boy! How I did just you come up with that. Well, I thought it was funny. Oh, not just funny. I go like I'm. I'm sitting here with a red face. People are looking at me like, what is going on? Okay. Yeah, the only thing is that I've, you know, oh, like I've had to when people ask me for the email. Sometimes I like, you know, if you have to tell the cable people, they're like, what? <laughs> You know, keep a straight face. Oh, you're so. you're driving, you're winding down your window, and people yeah. run across the street want to know, and you're yelling. And yeah, right. Uh, very beautiful. Well, I want to thank you so much for for being on today. This was, I love the not just informative. I love the rawness of it, and and really uh, points that people resonate with, and that we face every day. And there's nobody to to speak to about it. I mean, we have you have your girlfriends, you have your circle of 
of sisterhood and so on, but there's, there's certain things that, especially as you mentioned before, like you get judged or because there was a partner involved that uh, that they knew you both and so on. So I'm, I really appreciate that. And I think maybe we could do another one. I would love to. And I just, I also wanted to say um, that I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing, that you are, you have all these photo projects with older women and that you are so genuinely interested in listening to women's authentic experience and, uh, and cultivating it. I think I, I'm, I, I'm sure there's many middle-aged women who, who appreciate you. So, and I'm one of them. Thank you. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Thank you okay. so much. All right. And uh, we'll have you back on. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks. Bye. So this was one amazing show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show, Erica. It was a pleasure. I hope we'll have you on soon again. Uh, for those of you who have never listened in, Faces of Silver is a project of women turning gray. And I want to show that luster, that radiance, that, uh, uh, that is still to be had. And most of us don't see it. We're not aware of it because we automatically, because of societal impact, we think gray is dull. Life is over. It's past midlife. The kids are off to college. What's left? Well, this is why, why I'm here to show you what I see, what others see. That luster, that's what's left. So let's celebrate women of silver. Uh, you can find out more on our website, facesofsilver.com. Uh, there we keep you up to date what's going on, uh, the latest posts, uh, things we're doing and we're up to. One of which is the book, the other one is this post uh, podcast, uh, yet another one is the magazine that is about to come out. And um, should I announce it yet? There is another project in the works. Um, so it's a full plate, you can always check in there. If you want to find out more about my work in general, uh, women 50 and up, it's not necessarily 50, it's just I'm looking for the mature woman, the, the evolved woman. I'm, I don't want to photograph 20-year-olds. I enjoy that story, that substance, that there's that is something to highlight about you and to celebrate. Uh, so you can find that at uh, benwinkler.com. And with that, oh, and the links for, uh, for, Erica's, um, for Erica's writings for her blog, I am posting right below here so you can uh, access that straight by clicking it. Thank you so much again. Tune in again next Friday, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Thank you. <laughs>